Well, good morning again. Our scripture reading this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 12, and then 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7. This is the word of the Lord through the Apostle Paul. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. That is an amazing sentence and a more amazing testimony. We'll get into that later. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it, so now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Chapter 9 and verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Why? For God loves a cheerful giver. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving so generously to us and then inviting us into the grace and the joy of giving to others. And I pray that you would help us to to see and experience and and feel in our hearts that, that that is so and that is true. In the words of you, King Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I pray that your spirit would do that same kind of work among us here uh, at New City. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, my name is Mike, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it's uh, my pleasure uh, to work through this passage of Scripture together. We'll be looking at that in just a minute. Uh, We're talking about kingdom practices. These are the things that Christians do uh, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to kind of live as he lived. And so we're talking about generosity. Jesus was generous, and so we want to become like him. And so the first three weeks of this particular practice, we just wanted to kind of soak in the reality of how good God is to us and how generous he is to us. We don't, he doesn't start by saying you give. We start by receiving, as we sang, for God so loved that he gave his one and only son. So we've got to see ourselves as recipients of God's generous, faithful love before we start giving. Um, But now it's kind of like, well, what do we actually do? You know, what are we actually going to get into? How do Christians actually give? What are we supposed to be giving toward? And one of the things I want to do throughout this sermon is, um, for those who are new, maybe it's your first time here, and you're like, oh, great, I came to this church, I'm visiting, and now they're going to talk about money. 
welcome. I'm actually eager to talk to you about this because I think by the time we're done, this is even for the, the new person, the outsider, who would be a little skeptical about Christians and giving and money. I think that these principles in this passage are so normal and so powerful that it'll even draw you a little bit closer. That's what I think. That's how, how great this is. I said in the very first sermon in this generosity series that there wasn't gonna be any kind of gimmicks and there wasn't gonna be any kind of like tomfoolery going on here because actually when you look at this passage as, I, or as you heard it read to you, Paul literally says in verse seven, here's the main idea of the whole thing of what and how you should give. Each one must give as he decided in his heart. <laughs> not under compulsion and not reluctantly, for God loves a cheerful giver. So I'm not gonna be up here and coerce you or try to manipulate you into giving money because that's not the kingdom and the power of God. Jesus and his spirit is so real and so powerful that when he comes to you, you wanna give, and you give whatever you want. Okay, we're done, you can leave. <laughs> that's kind of really it. I love it so much. And again, if you're an outsider, you're new, it's like, well, that makes sense. I mean, I wish, you know, kind of wish all Christians, yeah, exactly. It's not awkward when you think about that. We're just telling our people, if God is so real to you and so generous to you, why don't you give back to him? Wouldn't that make sense? And everybody goes, oh yeah, that makes sense. We kind of overcomplicate it, I think, sometimes. I'm gonna look at two things. What should we give and then how should we give? Those are the two main points of this sermon. We'll work through some principles this week. Uh, Pastor Dave will be back next week and he'll talk about various kinds of generosity in the body, the idea of one anothering. There's all kinds of commands to say love one another, pray for one another. He'll talk about that. I'll come back the week after that and kind of finish up some of these principles. But this morning, that's the roadmap, kind of like what are we giving to and then how are we supposed to give? And um, start, well, this, At least to me, this was like kind of a cute little story. I verified it with one of my daughters earlier because I thought it happened, but you know, I'm kind of getting older and like, did these things actually happen? It's like, yes, this did. So we're trying to help our girls learn to give when they were little. And so I was like, okay, you're gonna give money into the offering. And then some type of question came back of like, well, how is it gonna get to heaven? Like, who's gonna get it to God? And I'm like, that would be so great. <laughs> if all of the money just <laughs> went right to heaven. And then he distributed it, amen, that'd be great. But that's not how it works. So I was like, well, no, honey, like, it doesn't go to heaven. And then, you know, now, now I'm gonna start trying to explain to her, like, well, where does the money go? Which I think is what a lot of people are thinking, like, what happens to the money, right? Follow the money. And so I start talking to, you know, a seven-year-old girl. I'm like, well, you know, kind of what God has told us to do is that, you know, we should give our money to, you know, people who are in need or, you know, the, the church also supports their leaders and your daddy's one of the leaders. And so, you know, some of that money comes back to us so we can live. And then she just goes, and at the time, I was co-pastoring with Dan, you know, our church administrator, and she goes, oh, so you take the money and he gets 50%, you get 50%? <laughs> I was like, percentages are off, but not bad. <laughs> like, you're tracking. So my first, my first point, what I want to just talk about is like, what actually does the New Testament tell you to give? And when I say New Testament, what I mean by that is this. When Jesus died and rose again, you know, we say this a lot, that means he launched the kingdom of God. It means this new reality invaded the world that changed a lot of things. And so the first part of your Bible called the Old Testament had certain requirements and codes and laws that we're gonna talk about in a couple of weeks that influence how we give, 
But the kingdom of God has radically changed how people in that kingdom give. And we just read about it right there. You give what you want, that cheerfully unto the Lord. No percentage. So anyway, what then does this New Testament kingdom of God, where should we be giving our money? And the very simple answer to that question is to each other. <laughs> it's just very simple. You should share what you have with other people. Like kindergarten sandbox stuff, right? Share your toys. That's what the Bible says. There's a genuineness, there's a purity about that, and that can kind of be broken down in a couple of things. I think when you can look at the New Testament writings, the Apostle Paul who wrote this, and again, for those of you who don't know who he is, he was uh, a first century uh, person. Jesus revealed himself, and it was an authoritative representative, you could say. We call him an apostle who took the message of Jesus from its Jewish roots into all of the other nations, the Gentiles. And so he worked this out for us. And, he's, and this is what he's telling us. These are the basically kind of three ways you should be giving your money. You give to those who are in need, especially Christians who are in need. Matthew 25 is a classic passage on this where Jesus says that if you give anything to the least of these, my brothers, you do it unto me. And that validates that you're actually a follower, an apprentice of Jesus, because you share what you have with other Christians who are in need. Jesus talks about when you're in prison or when you're sick or when you're isolated. And so you give what you have to other Christians who are in need. Galatians 6 says, do good to everybody. I love that as a Christian. We're supposed to do good to everybody, and then especially those of the household of faith, especially Christians. Ephesians 4, 28, this is a great verse. Again, speaking to Gentile churches about giving, he says, don't steal stuff. Good. <laughs> Good start. Work hard with your hands so that you might have something to give to those who are in need. You see the purpose behind your working hard is to share what you have with people who have a need. So when you think about being a generous person, one of the things you think about is the Lord's given me things so that I can share them. I love it. Secondly, there's multiple verses that, does, that do say give to support the leaders of the church. Specifically, 1 Corinthians 9 talks about, Apostle Paul says that those who preach the gospel are worthy of being supported in the gospel. Um, 1 Timothy 5 says that you should uh, give double honor to, to honor your leaders who preach and teach in the word by showing them and supporting them financially. Galatians 6, 6 says the same thing. So there's multiple passages where uh, that's the case. And so that's a way of sharing so that people can devote their lives to serve the congregation so the congregation can be equipped to live for Jesus and do the kingdom stuff. And then, which we heard about this morning from Tyler and Devin, we have the absolute privilege of partnering with other churches so they get the gospel of Jesus where it hasn't been before. This is Romans 15, 27. Paul says, hey, I'm going to Spain now. And he says, and I expect you to help me get there. <laughs> and that help means some cash, okay, some coin, well, among other things, but for sure. Third John 5, 8, you know, not a real popular book, Third John, take you 10 minutes to read it, if that, I think there's only 15 verses in the whole little letter, and it says that there's these traveling ministers who are strangers to some of the congregations, but they are worthy of being supported, help them on their way. And so when you look at what's the kingdom of God giving like, this is what we, this is what we should be about giving to. Lots of things not on that list. Okay? This is like the focus. So actually at New City, this is, this is fun for me. Oh, 
my slides are usually lame. That's the feedback I get from staff. And I welcome it. The lamer the slides, the better the sermon. Okay. <laughs> I'm kind of proud of this one. Look at the colors, you know, key. But this is, we try to reflect in our budget with those things right there. You know, personnel is the big one. You know, that's not my salary. Someone at 8.30 said, point that out. That's not all me. There's like eight or nine people on staff that, and so you're paying for your leaders. When you give money to New City, you're paying for your leaders. And when you give money to New City, 13%, the blue there, plus the, um, the ministries one, the orange, about 21% is going to ministry here and beyond. And we want to increase that number. We've said that to our members. We're looking to get that number higher, that percentage higher. And then you have kind of like your operations and facilities, which again are not, you know, you don't have to have a nice building like this to do the kingdom. See Cambodia. But we do have one, and so we need to take care of it. Amen? So that's, that's what it is. That's where your money goes. I'm like, so part of me is like, when I was younger, I felt a little awkward talking about money. I don't feel awkward about it because this is just so normal. If you come in off the street, you're like, well, is this what you give your, like, are you guys passionate about Jesus and his people and his advance? Yeah, that's what we give, and that's what we give our money to. And so there's this kind of overlap. We can personally give our money and share our money and possession with other people, great and amen, but also there's this organization, which now is the church, that when you give your money, that's being reflected as well. Does that make sense? That's what we give to. And so that's what, you know, I hope that encourages you. I hope that kind of freeing for you to see what's going on. Now, I kind of feel like I'm teaching a little bit here, and I almost feel like I should take questions. No, <laughs> no, no you, you can come see me later, but no questions now. <laughs> Second question, so what are we supposed to be giving to? I think that kind of summarizes that, answers that. Next question is, how are we then supposed to be giving? And this is where you definitely need a little bit of context from 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 to actually understand really what's going on. Okay? Context is always important, super important here. What was happening in 2 Corinthians, do you remember when I read in there, Paul said, hey, a year ago, you guys said you were gonna give. Remember that part? <laughs> but the Corinthians hadn't given yet. They were like, checks in the mail, Paul. <laughs> okay, that, that type of thing. And he's reminding them that, hey, you said you were gonna give. Give to what? Well, Paul was taking a collection he was gathering money for some poor Christians who were living in Jerusalem. So again, this, this would fit the category. That was number one in the category. Giving and sharing your wealth and your resources with Christians who are in need. And so there was a group of Christians in Jerusalem who were in need, and Paul was collecting money from all of these other churches who, by the way, did not even know the people who were living in Jerusalem probably personally, and he was collecting money so that they might share with them. Now, just to give you an idea, this is a really big deal. This is kind of like one of those things in the, in the New Testament, even if you've been around and a Christian for a while, you probably don't know much about this collection. It was a huge deal. Huge. Here's a, I have a quote here from a guy named Scott McKnight who kind of summarizes this collection. From the book of Acts and Paul's letters, we can discern the magnitude of Paul's campaign. For it appears that Paul was able to derive both funds and sponsors from all his churches. 
Thus he had the following funds and or people representing his missionary efforts. And now before I read the next part, if you're newer to Christianity, there's a bunch of names and cities here that you're not gonna recognize. If you're more familiar with Christianity, you're gonna recognize these names and cities. This is over a 10 year period. So the Jewish, the, the Jesus movement had its roots and its foundation in Jerusalem and now from there, now the good news of Jesus was getting everywhere, and Paul was saying, hey, it's only right that the people who are benefiting from the roots and the foundations of this new Jesus movement would share their physical resources with them. So he spends literally 10 years collecting money and sponsors from every church. Like, a lot of people think, oh, Paul just went around preaching the gospel. He did go around preaching the gospel, but he was commissioned to remember the poor, Galatians 2.10 says, and so in literally every place he went, he did it. It's a big deal. So I know, you know, I got Galatia, I got Derby, Lystra, Macedonia, those are all the different places and all the scripture references there about all these churches over a 10-year period. It's impressive. He goes on to say, it is even possible that funds were collected from Rome, which I actually agree with that, and then the underlined portion. It is hard to imagine any campaign more embracing of the northern Mediterranean, that's where those cities and churches were, and any project that occupied Paul's attention more than this collection for the saints. Hello. It's a big deal. And the place, so, so the principles then of giving in the kingdom of God, as I told you, that was Paul's responsibility, was to translate the Jesus movement into these churches and cities. And so when Paul goes to address the how-to, the principles of giving, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is ground zero for it. This is where you figure out where Paul's gonna tell us, okay, here's how you gotta give. And so then all the church people be like, all right, well, where's the, talk? Where's the tithe, buddy? You are not going to find it. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, if you're familiar with the Bible, you're familiar with any kind of religion at all, most religions are saying you have to give 10%. In the kingdom of God, ground zero, where all the principles are kind of located, not all, but most of them are located, you would definitely expect Paul to say, okay, you gotta give 10% here. And he doesn't say it. You know, not 10%, you know, do it, don't do it, whatever. And we'll talk about it in a couple weeks. That's gonna be an important number. We will talk about that. But we live in the kingdom of God. Jesus has died. He has risen. He has given you his Holy Spirit. He has been exceedingly generous to you, more than you can possibly imagine. Paul says at the end of this chapter, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. He has been so amazingly good and generous to you. Give what you want. What do you think is appropriate in light of all the generosity that Jesus has done to you? I love it. And again, if you're an outsider here, you're new, I think you should love this. This, this guy's up here not telling these people they, they can give whatever they want because God's been so good to them. And they've been wondering all along if your faith was real anyway. And if you give generously, it demonstrates the genuineness of your love. This is, I actually, I took, my daughter said how the first service goes. I said, I'm, I'm actually enjoying this. It's fun for me to talk to you about this this way. Not reluctantly, not compulsion. Give as the Holy Spirit works in your heart. And we'll see, are we real disciples or not? And I think we are, but I think we can grow too. So that's, that's what's happening here. This is the, this massive collection that Paul's doing. Most of the principles for that new kingdom of God giving are found here. And so let's just look at a few of them here, and we've got more to look at in a couple of weeks. But first, look at chapter 8 and verse 1. He uses an example 
of these churches in Macedonia. This is kind of like um, a parent with a, you know, a couple of kids, and one kid said that they were going to do the thing, <laughs> and they're not doing the thing. And the other one didn't say they were going to do it, but they are doing it. This happens in random places. And the parent comes in to the one who said they were going to do it and is not doing it. I'm like, hey, you see what they're doing? And it's like kind of spurring them on. The Corinthian church, who were more affluent, said they were going to give and they weren't. And now Paul looks at this example of this Macedonian church who was less affluent and they were giving generously. And Paul describes that as the grace of God. Again, this gets back to this idea of the kingdom of God. This is the powerful display of the reality of God's, you know, unmerited, grace is God's unmerited favor. The Macedonians didn't deserve the grace of God, but they had so deeply experienced the grace of God that even though they were poor, they gave generously. Wow, now you're like, now you're getting people's attention. Most scholars think that these Macedonian Christians had experienced similar things to the Jewish Christians. The Jewish Christians were poor because of a really bad regional famine at that time. You can read about that in Acts 11. But they also were experiencing, as Devin talked about, persecution, social ostracism, and they were losing their jobs. So it was like a double whammy that was contributing to years and years of poverty decades long. The Macedonians were similar. They had given their lives to Jesus and now they were being socially ostracized and they were put in a position of more poverty. And so you can kind of understand it. They're resonating and they're saying, man, they're going through the same thing I'm going through, but Jesus has still been so good to me. And then they were saying to Paul, literally begging him, let us give. Paul saying, no, you guys, you got, somehow he knew their financial situation, which I find that interesting, but anyway. Let us give. Paul's like, no, I can't. But they like, we have to give. So you give as an evidence of the grace of God in your life. The impetus for giving is not some rule or standard that is imposed upon you. It's the dynamic, unmerited favor of God's grace in Christ, the riches in Christ that we talked about the last couple of weeks. And that enables you and frees you to do things, to give according to your ability, and then as Paul says, beyond your ability. That's the grace of God. That's what I want to see cultivated here. That's what I want in my own life. So you give by the grace of God. Then it says, and I use the kind of bible word here, of your own accord. I don't, accord isn't used much unless you have a Honda. <laughs> Which I actually do have a Honda Accord. <laughs> which that's ironic. Anyway, it's kind of like their own, you know, kind of their, their free will. You know, again, going, this is why I skipped ahead to chapter 9 and verse 7. Let me read it again. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. What do you want to give? You give of your own accord. What do you want to give? We'll talk about how to apply that in a couple minutes. So they gave according to the grace of God. They gave of their own decisions. Again, as an outsider, if you're new, doesn't that make sense to you? Yeah, each person gets to decide before God what they want to give. I'm like, yeah, this is great. Third, they gave generously. Now here, we need to be careful because we all have a scale of generosity. 
but we need to let our scale be shaped by Jesus' scale. So there's a story. It's the last week of Jesus' life, Holy Week. can't remember which day. might have been Wednesday. I, sh- I should know that. But now last week, Jesus was in the temple, and people were giving their money. And there was like a, kind of like a big bucket, <laughs> I guess. And they, you know, you didn't like send it digitally, obviously, not even a cash society. It was all coins. And so when you dump it in, it made a lot of noise. And if you gave a lot, people knew you gave a lot, that type of thing, right? If you're familiar with VBS, Vacation Bible School for Kids, it's the penny parade, <laughs> okay? It's dumping pennies in. So about half of you get that joke, half you're like, I have no idea what to talk about. It's fine. So this guy, rich leader, comes in, puts a lot of money in, and then a widow comes by, and she puts in two pennies. Jesus is standing by watching. I always think, man, that's amazing. How, that would be a little disconcerting for me. You know, offering baskets going around, and Jesus is just watching. <laughs> Which, by the way, he's still doing that today. He knows. He knows how much money you have. He knows how much money I have. He knows how much money you see. He knows. He's like, anyway. So he's watching. And this widow puts in two pennies. And Jesus says to the people around him, she gave more than everybody. She gave more than everybody. Because she gave all that she had. That's how generosity is measured. It's not measured by how much you give alone. It's part of it. I don't want to create a false dichotomy. Part of it is how much you give. But another very significant part of it is how much you keep. And you can do the math. If you just went to a legalistic 10% and someone's making a million dollars, they give 10%, they give 100 grand. They have 900 grand left to live on. Someone makes 50 grand, they give five. They got 45 grand left to live on. There's a difference there, right? Come on, it's math. (laughs) I'm not confronting you, it's just math, okay? (laughs) Generosity is not just how much you give, it's how much you keep. And these Christians, in, you know, this is what I said when I was reading it. What a sentence this is. I mean, again, just hear this. In their severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy. How in the what? Their extreme poverty overflowed. What? How can, if you're poor, you don't think overflowing? but when you know the grace of God, you start to experience overflowing. They gave according to their means, and I can testify beyond their means. And so I just want to encourage us, I want to challenge us, New City, to not just be like tied to like one thing. Let's look at the example of the Macedonians and let that stir our hearts and minds and our affections. Lastly here, and we'll really spend more time on this. This is going to kind of catapult us into a couple of weeks. They gave preparedly. This is important because generosity is not like a one-off type thing. Becoming a generous person is the idea here. We become the kind of people who are generous, not who just like kind of randomly give away one thing or something, okay? There was a study done by, I told you I've been reading some, some of the better sociologists, like just kind of saying, what is, what is the culture saying about generosity? And these guys did this study. <laughs> Basically, they said that they did empirical data to prove 
that all the metrics of like well-being go up when you're generous. Happiness, uh, actual health, um, well-being, uh, peace of mind, purpose, all those things. But they did a comparative analysis to see, well, what, kind, what are we talking about? People who consistently gave their money versus people who were one-off type givers. An example of a one-off type giver would be like an organ donor. <laughs> it's generally a one-off, okay? It's not usually multiple. But again, this isn't everything. And, and by the way, they ended the study by saying that people who are generous are more blessed, and then they literally referenced Jesus and said, well, basically Jesus was right. It's more blessed to give than receive. But the point is, is that practicing generosity, we're talking about kingdom practices, steady, clear, determined, prepared, is the kind of giving that the kingdom of God is about. Paul's like, you guys said you were gonna give a year ago, I don't just wanna show up there and everybody feel awkward. So I'm sending you this letter to remind you and to prepare you so that you can be ready to give. No compulsion, you know how that is when someone comes to you and they're like, yo, you got 50 bucks? And you're just like, oh man. I was at the gas station the other day and I saw this guy walking to me and I'm like, I'm like a magnet for this. Like, I can't tell you how many people at gas stations. It's like, I don't know if I look at him the wrong way or what, but it's dark, it's cold. He's like, yo, bro, you got, can you give me that? I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I'm like struggling. And then I feel the Holy Spirit say, pray for him. And I'm like, nah, his name was Josh. I'm like, yeah, can I pray for you? <laughs> it was reluctantly, but Lord, take it anyway, please. And he goes, I'm so glad you prayed for me. That was the, like, he didn't even care that I gave him the gas. He was so happy I prayed for him. I gave him time. Anyway, be ready. Be prepared to give. How much different would it be, actually, if I was like, you know what? My wife and I have sat down, and I'm like, because this happens to me so often, which is not that often, but this is a little bit of a joke, so just be aware of that. We've set aside 50 bucks a month. I'm just waiting for the next guy to come to me. You see the difference? You're prepared. In 1 Corinthians 16, he says week by week, be ready for this so that when I show up, it's not awkward and weird. And so I want you to encourage you to be prepared, to be intentional, to pay attention, to do it well, and not just spur of the moment type stuff. Although that's great too, but not alone. All right, so let's finish up with this application. Here's what I think we should do. One, you should set aside time to contemplate the riches you have in Christ in the gospel, which is why the first three weeks are so important to this. Think, remember all that God is for you in the past, present, and future. Set your, so your heart to see your finances and possessions afresh. Like, take all of your union with Christ and all that you are in the kingdom of God and now go to your money. Let that vision or those goggles influence the way you see it and then think about being more generous like how could I potentially be more generous and then pay attention to what comes up in your heart are you afraid are you excited are you unsure like what's just like start there start with all that you are in Christ maybe read you know uh, Ephesians 1, 3 to 14 again, or whatever, have a conversation with a brother or sister in Christ, pray about it, and say, okay, this is who I am in Christ. By the way, this is, we use the example of the Macedonians, which is great, but then Paul finishes the example with Jesus. Remember this, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, New City Church, you know it. 
that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Contemplate that. And then look at your bank account. Look at your retirement. Look at the stuff you own. And just, you know, this is the second point. Take inventory of what you have. What do you actually have? <laughs> Unfortunately, in America, you know, we have the experience. You go in the attic, you're like, oh, man, I got a lot of stuff I didn't know I had. <laughs> do you need all that? <laughs> I said this in the first service. This is a weird application. But if you have a storage unit, go to your storage unit. That's the only command this morning. <laughs> Go see what you have in store. You have so much stuff, it's not even at your house. <laughs> Some people got really offended, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. But legitimately, take inventory of what you have and then just look. Where is it going? Is it going to Christians who are in need? Supporting the church, leadership, and the advance of the gospel. If it's not going to those places, then it's like, okay, Lord, I want this, I want to change. And again, you can start very small. You know, some of you are thinking, okay, finally, good, week three. He's finally going to tell us how much we should give. And now you're like, dang it, Mike, he still didn't tell us what we should give. No! You have the Spirit of God. Jesus is risen from the dead. You have the Bible. You have the church. You have the vision. You have these things. And now it's like contemplate, pray, talk, fellowship, and see how the Holy Spirit's leading you and guiding you so that you can live out chapter 9 and verse 7 that says, each, as each one has decided in his own heart, not by compulsion, not reluctantly, because God loves a cheerful giver. Father, I pray that that's what you do in our hearts by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, he became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich. I pray that that generosity, that reality of the kingdom of God would so pervade our hearts that you would lead us to greater generosity, even in difficult and hard circumstances. Lead us, I pray, in your name. Amen. Let's stand.